Forty years have passed since Moses was born. Forty years since Pharaoh's edict that all the Israelite baby boys were to be drowned in the river. And forty years since Moses' parents came up with the daring plan to place him in a basket and place the basket in the river where Pharaoh's own daughter would find him. How fervently they must have prayed that she would feel sorry for the baby and let him live. And how abundantly God answered their prayers. Pharaoh's daughter not only adopted the baby, but paid Moses' birth mother to be his nurse. What was it like for Moses to spend his early years in his Israelite home? What were they able to teach him about the Lord and about his own people during his formative years? What was it like later to spend his youth growing up in Pharaoh's household? What skills and knowledge did he acquire perhaps in the area of warfare and leadership, from his Egyptian teachers. Exodus does not tell us much about those 40 years. Acts chapter 7 and Hebrews chapter 11 do fill in some of the gaps for us. It is in this second half of Exodus chapter 2, the verses before us in this podcast, that we gain, gain some insight into this man, now 40 years old, whom God will use to deliver his people. We begin with prayer. Your word, Lord, is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. Teach us to follow you. Amen. Exodus chapter 2, starting at verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me? As you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Moses, at 40 years old, is in his prime. From a human standpoint, if ever he was ready to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, Now's the time. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. Here's the first thing we learn about Moses. He sides with his people. Think of what he is giving up. He's the the grandson of Pharaoh. All the riches of Egypt, which is at the height of its influence and power at this point in time, 
All the riches of Egypt belonged to Moses. Life could have been very comfortable as an Egyptian prince. Instead, he sides with the people in slavery. Why? Why would he do that? The writer to the Hebrews tells us, it was because Moses was looking forward to a better home, a home in heaven. Moses' Savior, Jesus, would later say, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? Yes, what good would it be to possess all the wealth this world has to offer, or even just all the wealth of Egypt, and then spend eternity away from God? You see, Moses wasn't just siding with the Israelites, his people. He was siding with the Lord, trusting the Lord's promise to protect his people and to send a Savior through them. And here's the second thing we learn about Moses. He is a man of action. Sadly, not always the right action, but a man of action. No matter who is being victimized, an Israelite at the hand of an Egyptian, an Israelite at the hand of a, another Israelite, or later we'll see some Midianite women at the hands of scoundrel shepherds, Moses isn't afraid to jump into the fray. He has a heart for the disadvantaged, and he does not hesitate to fight for them. This first incident in this section we're looking at right now takes place when Moses is out where the Israelites are being worked ruthlessly by the Egyptians. He sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite Hebrew, probably because he's not working fast enough. What happens next is no accident. Moses glances this way and that, making sure no one is watching, and he kills the Egyptian. This is murder. Moses may have sympathized with his people. He may have desired to set them free from their bondage, but this was not God's plan. This was Moses' plan. We too need to be careful that in our desire to see justice done, we do not resort to sinful words or actions which are contrary to God's plans. Moses thinks he has gotten away with this crime. But the next day, when he intervenes in a fight between two Israelites, he realizes he's been found out. The guy in the wrong doesn't say to Moses, Hey, thanks for looking out for our countrymen yesterday. No, he says, What are you going to do, kill me too? Who made you our leader? And Moses must flee for his life or face Pharaoh's wrath. Moses goes to the land of Midian. The Midianites were also descendants of Abraham and so, in a way, very distant cousins to the Israelites. Yeah, very distant, because after all, it's been 500 years since Abraham, but still distant cousins. Moses reaches the land of Midian and sits down by a well. And this is where the third incident takes place. Verse 16. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? They answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. 
And where is he? Ruel asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. I'm not sure how many shepherds there were, but the fact that there were a number of them, and Moses was able to drive them off, shows his strength and his skills as a warrior. Again, Moses in his prime would seem to be a good candidate to free the Israelites. But God knows Moses is not ready yet. He has more to learn. Ruel, also called Jethro in the next chapter, is described as a priest of Midian. As descendants of Abraham through his second wife, Keturah, how much of the true God did Rule know? It seems that later on Moses was able to bring this family, Ruel's family, to a more complete knowledge of the Lord. Moses marries one of Ruel's daughters, Zipporah. Probably why Ruel was a little upset with the girls for not bringing this guy home. He's a good marriage candidate. Moses and his wife Zipporah are blessed with a son. We get some insight into Moses' mindset during this time by the name that he gives his son, Gershom, which means, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Rejected by his own people, whom he thought he was helping, and under a death sentence issued by his adopted family, Pharaoh, Moses now lives as a stranger in a foreign land. How hard it must have been for him, this former member of the royal household in powerful Egypt, to now live as a shepherd in this wilderness setting. But God was teaching him things, how to survive in the wilderness, something that would be extremely important in another 40 years, when he would lead over a million people through this same land. And most importantly, God was teaching him patience, a lesson that I'm afraid you and I, or at least I'll speak for myself, I find so difficult to learn. The lesson of the importance of waiting on God's timing and not insisting on our own. Verse 23. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Moses writes during that long period, it it was 40 years that Moses lived there in the land of Midian. The stage is now set for the Lord, the God of faithful love, to make his presence known to the Israelites. He has heard their cry for help. There are days when we too cry out to our God. Maybe it is in physical pain, or more likely it is emotional pain. The heartache and sorrow that comes with life in this broken world can sometimes seem too much to bear. We may even start to feel as though God has forgotten us or that he doesn't care. But the comforting truth of the Bible 
And the truth expressed here at the end of Exodus chapter 2 is that he does care. God is on our side. He is not distant or unaware. He hears our cries. Our enemies are his enemies. Or to use the words of Zechariah, when they come after us, they are coming after the apple of the Lord's eye. How do we know? How do we know our God is faithful and that his love endures forever? Well, we have seen it on display at Calvary's cross, where God himself shed his blood to make the covering for our sin so that we might be forgiven. If God did not spare his own son, but gave him up to rescue us from our greatest enemies of sin and death, how will he not, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? When it says that God remembered his covenant with, or we could say his promise to Abraham, it doesn't mean that he had forgotten it. As though God suddenly woke up one day and said, oh yeah, I was, I was supposed to do something for Abraham's descendants. What was that again? No. This is a Hebrew expression which means God is about to act on that promise. What exactly is it that God is planning to do? We will find out in chapter 3. And that's next week's podcast. Please join us then. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.